I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. I read lips. Okay, she just said Hardwood Sponge is the authority of the hostile biographer, and then he responded just phone cords to original samovars. Kirk, that doesn't make any sense. Must mean they're onto us and they've switched to some sort of code. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, the Kirk Cousin Cousin, the One More Thing King. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Today, the legend. If if we had to elect the president of Mavs Twitter, um, I'm trying to refrain from election jokes, but... Kirk Henderson would be the president, not even president-elect. He would be the president of Mavs Twitter. And it is our honor and pleasure today to be joined by Kirk. True. But only be- only because of the Electoral College, not because of the popular vote. <laughs> I would definitely... <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball. He is a friend of ours, a friend of the pod, even though he was on one year ago, I think. I don't think we've had him on since then. I think we just we figured out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a while because, uh, you know, with the daily and then the other stuff, it's it's sometimes hard to to not, uh, you know, cross streams because we each kind of do our own thing. And sometimes I just don't want to talk because I say stupid stuff. And, and then I clip it and then I put it on social and then sure. <laughs> then part of the Electoral College doesn't agree with you anymore. On today's show, Isaac and Kirk and I are going to preview the Mavericks season. We're just going to go through some big questions basically about what this Mavericks team is going to look like and what we expect from the Mavericks. Some of their biggest weaknesses, stuff about Josh Richardson, obviously Luka, MVP talk. And then I kind of want to ask the question, oh, are, we sure th- are we sure the Mavericks are a playoff team? We'll get into that. <laughs> We'll see what we think. So we don't have to just hear from Isaac, who gets paid by the Mavs. We'll hear from from somebody else. Kirk and I can have at least an honest conversation about that. Wow. We'll talk talk about that. Yikes. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you get 20% off your next order of those sweet, delicious Built Bars. Had one today. Cookies and cream. Delicious. All right. Kirk, let's start here. Are the Mavericks going to be good enough for Luka to win MVP? He's the the favorite right now. Bet Online has him as the MVP favorite. The only like MVP that hasn't been one to his team hasn't been one two in his, their conference was Westbrook, and he was you know the triple double. That was his whole narrative. Are the Mavericks going to be good enough for Luka to even win MVP? So, despite being kind of a, a constant grump, my answer for this is going to be yes for two reasons. Number one, I do think the two seed is a reasonable thing for the Mavericks. Number two, if if Luca plays, uh, let's say sixty-two of the seventy-two games, then the Mavericks are going to be really good. So between that and the counting stats and the narrative and the you know all those things kind of tied in together i do think that there's a real opportunity for for luca to be mvp and and when you kind of pull back and and think about that that's it, it makes sense why he's the odds on favorite but i really i really think it's possible i think this is the year the mavericks really go nuts and push for it because i think there are a lot of teams that are already kind of just hoping to make it through the year and and this might be the mavericks year to strike hard this whole mvp thing is so weird because 
it seems like Luka has a head start, right? Because the narrative yeah. portion of it is so big and it looms over the whole NBA season. The fact that he's the favorite to begin the season, Isaac, seems like it's an advantage to him going in over everybody else. Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, when you look at the top, you know, Kirk said this is the year. When you look at the top and the other names, you know, we've went through it before. The, the voter fatigue for Giannis, can he win three in a row? The Lakers, their two stars are so good, but they're like equally good in how do I hate even bragging on the Lakers, but <laughs> I love it. It's, it's like, so great. you know, Anthony Davis are equally good to where I do think that they will, I say equally, but like to where they'll equal each other out when it comes to votes. Some unless LeBron take, I could see LeBron taking a backseat you know, a little bit more to let AD kind of for sure lead that team. But that's where, you know, I keep on going back to Lillard, Jokic, Luca. Mm-hmm. Those are three names I'm watching the most of, if their teams could push for that two, three seed up through there, will it be enough? For instance, if Portland finishes second in the West, which would be crazy, but like, hey, Bobby Marks, let's go. Um, if if Portland does that, Lillard averages over 30 a game. And let's say the Mavericks finish like fourth and Luka is basically right at a triple-double, like 28, 9, and 9 or something again. Will they lean Lillard because of the record? Or will they give it to Luca? You see what I'm saying? So I think it definitely helps that Luca has the narrative going for him right now, though. After watching the the Blazers a couple times in the preseason, I don't know if their defense is going to be good enough. Good lord, the no, Nuggets defense sucks. The Nuggets just back cut them to death the other night, which was absolutely wild to just watch. You know, Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. just back cut them to death <laughs> throughout the whole. So we'll see what happens with Portland and their defense, but Kirk. I want to get into this. I, I want to get into it. Are we sure the Mavericks are a playoff team? Like, if everything goes wrong for this team, like, how are we a hundred percent confident this team is a playoff team? Let's say Porzingis sort of, you know, needs a little bit more time to, you know, come back. It sounds like into January, and some people are saying, you know, start of February. Like, it depends on how optimistic you are. But are the Mavericks a hundred percent lock for sure playoff team? Yes. So. With just Luca last year, without Porzingis, the Mavericks were eleven and seven. Uh, friend of of everyone, HP Basketball, Matt Moore of the Action Network, True. had a take on on, on my on my podcast about a week. Yeah, I guess he is unlocked on too. Jeez, he's yeah, everywhere. Uh, had a take on my podcast where he essentially said that that Porzingis doesn't matter, and <laughs> not that he's bad, but that the Mavericks are set up in such a way that. Luca is the draw is is the straw that stirs the drink and everything else kind of flows down from there. And in a season where it's just going to be game after game after game, if Luca plays a lot, then the Mavericks are a playoff team. The only real way that they aren't above 500 in my opinion is if Luca does something like bizarre like Steph Curry last year where he broke his hand. I mean the the team is just set up for success in a lot of ways and I'm I, I just don't see how it doesn't happen. Now where is something knock on? Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that's that's kind of the way I feel at the moment. Yeah, I think we. I think Luca's injury factor aside, right? If, if we're assuming that Luca's going to be, you know, healthy, then yeah, I think for sure this team is a playoff team. I've, okay. I have I have no concerns about it to be honest. 
I, I actually want to bring up something that Kirk wrote, uh, I guess, I don't know, last week maybe, uh, Kirk on Moneyball wrote a, a great piece. Uh, I'm going to plug it. Can I plug I it? Saying, <laughs> sure, I don't remember what I like what I did yesterday, so it's like, <laughs> this, this might be news to me. I thought you were like, oh, Kirk, the Kirk that's on Moneyball. Like, no, the Kirk that's with us right now. <laughs> right here. Kirk, you, you wrote a, a story called Luka Doncic on the ver- verge of the MVP season or something like that, and you had a paragraph and, and a stat in there that I thought was really telling and this this would be my biggest worry for if kp misses more time or the time that he does miss you said in the playoffs 91 percent of luca's points that he scored was was him like was unassisted basically Mm -hmm. and i thought that was a key thing to where that's my that's been my worry of if KP's not on the floor, if he's not with Luca, where does the rest of the offense come? And your your main point of that uh, portion of your piece was, you know, can they get Luca easier points? Can they get mm-hmm. him easier baskets? And I want to see Luca more off the ball. I want to see Luca moving without the ball. So can and I guess it's a question for both of you. Does Dallas have enough offense outside of Luca, or do we just say, say all hell, Luca? We trust in you that you're the you know leader of the engine there. But should we worry about any other offense outside of Luca? Well, considering you and Nick came off the bench last year in the playoffs for the Mavericks, I have <laughs> I have fewer concerns about this because you know the guys that I'm I'm like looking forward to complaining about this year, like Jalen Brunson and and Burke, are so bad. Like they're just going to work in a way that the Mavericks didn't necessarily have last year. So I think there's enough offense. I do think that the Mavericks have to figure out a way to get Luka in some uh, easier situations. But I, I, the way this roster is built out, you know, we've not really seen Carlisle, you know, tinker yet. He he kept doing hockey lineup shifts in the play and the preseason games. And so what happens when you know Josh Green gets to play with Luka? Or if Jalen Brunson gets sent to Siberia and isn't allowed to go one for nine in a preseason game, also with zero assists. Not that I'm bitter. Brunson's um, like your new target, by the way. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's a, he's I don't know. He's fine. I just he, I, watching him dribble like Trey Burke is so much more fun to me. Um, that's just me though. So it's I just I think there's a lot more optionality on this year's Mavs. Uh, I mean, Josh Richardson got put in a position last year where he had to do some ball handling and it didn't necessarily work out well. But what happens if, if he gets to do that a little bit with the Mavericks? You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. can can play, all, uh, you know, can handle the rock a little bit. There's just a lot of fun guys on the Mavs this year. I think we're going to see offense. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent offense. Maybe not the best offense in NBA history again, but. Maybe close. <laughs> Might get close again. Coming up, I want to get into some more about this offense and then talk about Josh Richardson. And we have to bring up the center talk, right? It has to come up at some point. It seems mm-hmm. like it's the one talk of conversation that, you know, maybe matters, maybe doesn't. And it just depends on who you talk to that, uh, you know, depend that says that it matters or it doesn't. So we'll talk about that coming up. But before we do that, the NFL regular season is finishing up and the playoff picture is becoming more and more clear each day. What is not becoming clear is if the Cowboys are part of that or not. They're 5-9 and nine and somehow still not out of the playoff picture, which is absolutely wild to me. But there's only one place that has you covered, and the one place that we, the Lockdown Podcast Network, trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. 
Right now on Bet Online, they have the odds to win the NFC East. Washington football team is number one at minus 280. Then you have the Giants at plus 600, Eagles at plus 700, and the Cowboys with the worst odds to win the NFC East at plus 900. If you're taking that, if you're into that, go ahead to go to betonline.ag. If you're interested in NBA odds, there's all kinds of stuff we've been talking about all the beginning of this week about you know futures. Luka is the number one right now for MVP, so if you're going to take some odds on that, go ahead and take that. But go to betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Put some action on it. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your sports book experts. This episode is also brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds that are responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, that's it. They're gone. We all know that the diamond ring is in, is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a future for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, Kirk and Isaac, we are going to talk about Josh Richardson and the Mavericks center situation. Those are separate thoughts. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wager. Subscribe to Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. All right, so the Mavericks offense. You guys were, were hinting at this a little bit at the end of last segment about Luka playing off the ball a little bit more. And I think we've seen that in preseason. A couple of the games, I specifically noted at the beginning of, of the games that Luka's been playing off the ball more than normal. It's And maybe I'm just used to seeing the Mavericks in the playoffs where it was just just Luka, nothing else. Like No one else should touch the ball, basically, unless he's you know kicking to them or, or he touches it first. But the contrast between what I've been seeing in preseason when Luka's on the floor and then maybe in, in the end of the, the bubble and then in the playoffs is different. I've seen Luka off the ball a little bit more. I think Carlisle's going to do that on purpose to, to one, give him rest, and then to two, just give guys more touches. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that I can hope for, but I, I'm going to need to see his usage actually go down. Uh, Jonathan Sharks once lectured me about what players want to do as opposed to what they might what might be beneficial to them. And when you're an MVP candidate, convincing Luca to take the ball out of his hands when he can simply point to the you know the stat box and say you know well, why would I why would I do this yeah uh, is is going to take some real creative play design. But I do think the Mavericks can do it just because you know the guy looked tired at points last year, and if he's going to play yeah. more than 32 to 33 minutes, they need to get him in some more advantageous situations. The posts up in preseason have been kind of fun. I also think he likes 
like playing with Richardson as a backcourt mate is is probably going to be beneficial in ways that we've not yet seen because he he even you know Richardson grabbed a couple of rebounds. I remember one play is probably the first Milwaukee game where Richardson pushed it up the floor, like drove, passed it to a cutting uh, James Johnson, and then James Johnson kicked it out to a three either to Luca or somebody else, and I was just like screaming in my seat because <laughs> that sort of stuff you know we've just not we've only seen like Luca do it or Berea do it for the last several years, so it was really fun to see that i hope you're right because even just a little bit of of like reducing luca's usage down a couple of percentage points is going to benefit the mavericks and him in the long term can we call that charks in like that charks thing about what players want to do versus what they should do can we call that the willie collie stein index can we, mm. can we just <laughs> hey he worked on that three and he's hitting the three it's wet <laughs> cuban the owner said that his jumper is wet and then <laughs> hey, he went out and I, proved actually it. I actually want to build on that a little bit of Luca. I think, you know, to to show Luca that and to convince Luca of that, we have to have somebody that's good enough to do that. Yes. And I think that for, if we have that definitive guy, like Josh Richardson's the best backcourt mate we've had for Luca in his career, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's it, not a high. Uh, I mean, it was it was Dennis, it was, it West, was Tim Hardaway, Dennis, West, West, Tim, Harrison uh, Barnes, if you count him. Yeah, I guess. Mm. I guess so. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Luca, I think, you know, showing that Josh Richardson can do that, I think will be key. And if he does believe in that now, then I think it is an easier ask of Luca to say, hey, let's lower your usage just a little bit. Let's give it to Josh. Let Josh run a few sets here and there. And if, if Luca believes in that, then there you go. I think that's the easiest thing. If we went out, for instance, if we went out and, you know, this past year and got a CJ McCollum type or something like that, then that's a natural thing. I think Luke would be like, all right, sweet. Yeah, he can run an offense. He believes in that. He'll trust in that. Does he trust Josh Richardson that way? I think, I, I mean, I, I want to say he does. I, I guess we'll just have to see it. Yeah, he'll just have to prove that, I, th- I think. And I don't I don't know if we've seen Josh Richardson be the best offensive player he can be. And so, so far in preseason, I mean, we know he can hit shots off the catch you know, with Luka, but that sort of playmaking, they used him as a point guard at times in Miami, and he was the guy that was coming up, and they were expecting him to be this next you know, high-usage playmaker-type guard. Kirk, Josh is hopefully going to fill in that role and fit in that role. It seems like he's fitting like a glove with the Mavericks. Do you think we're overrating Josh Richardson at all? No. Uh, okay. I didn't know if it was Richardson or Bo, but I was just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. Depends on no, what. In, in this case for Richardson because he fits so well in Miami, and to watch sort of what happened to him with the Sixers is really unfortunate because it, it, it whatever they were doing last year just – wasn't working now with with what they have going now in the preseason seems to be uh at least just a better system and and i think but i have Bo, i think uh, uh richardson is really gonna <laughs> i think i think he's really gonna benefit from this sort of thing because i, I if I, I i think he's 11 for 15 in the preseason yeah and that uh, his from catch three. and shoot numbers are even higher because he's taken a couple of just like uh you know off the dribble ones like hardaway but it's really going to be interesting to see where you know what the expectations are for him because you know we've been talking a lot about his offense but i think the more the more part the part that i'm really looking forward to is the defense because you know we talked about damian lillard a few minutes ago 
it's the guards that use guards and forwards that use screens well that have absolutely just murdered the Mavericks the last several years. They play that that maddening drop coverage, and I understand why it's like a statistics game. But with guys who are good at shooting open shots, they tend to seem to get torched. That sixty point Lillard bubble game is just going to hang with me for a really long time. And I think if Richardson had an, has an opportunity to guard Lillard like that you're curbing some of those opportunities just enough. And that's really what it's about. I think our fan base wants the Mavericks to just run everyone out of the gym. I mean, so do I, but this is about winning and the possession battle just enough to where you can hopefully walk out of the gym with, with a victory. And I think Richard really Richard Richardson really uh, changes that math enough to where the Mavericks will hopefully be, you know, a little better on defense. And then if the offense stays within range, you know, they're they're just. I think they're. That's why I said I I, I don't. I see a top two seed as not as as a real possibility. With the Richardson stuff, you know, we we talked the other day uh, on the pod that you know, yeah, we've all been talking about the offense, sixty two percent in the preseason from the field, crazy seventy three percent from the three point line. We've all talked about the offense, but like you said, it's about Richardson's defense and how Carl out over you know training camp. It's like we've been looking for this one guy to go alongside Luca that can guard these opposing point guards. And we've yet to see the defensive moment mm-hmm. from Richardson yet. I mean, it's been three preseason games, but how far into the regular season are we just gushing on Twitter about, man, he just locked down. It could be game one. Does he Hopefully. guard Dev- Devin Booker game one? Does he take Booker or does he take Chris Paul? You know, and does he, you know, we're going to see him go against Chris Paul or Booker in that game one and be like, man, it's nice to have a really you know, good defensive you know guy in the backcourt again or – I guess like, since while. when's the last time they had one, right? Kid like R- Raja Bell. I don't know. What's a, <laughs> it's was, been a while. I mean, Deshaun. we could say we could say Wes was above average. Oh yeah, yeah, Wes. Yeah, you have to like for all the stuff we talked about, Wes. I mean, yeah, he was he was above average. There, yeah. I mean, the times that he would guard Harden, there are some of those games where you're just like in awe of what he could do against him. Yeah. Yeah. You just didn't want him to dribble ever. Actually, ever. actually, I personally did want him to dribble just so we could see Kirk tweet out the the Stanley <laughs> gif again. Just, Stanley, just one more time. <laughs> the defense for Josh Richardson is going to be the big thing, I, I think. But we're going to focus a lot more on offense because it's easier and more fun to talk about. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's just the way that it is. Right. Uh, can, right, I, can I ask you real, real, real quick? Who's the third leading scorer on this team, Richardson or Tim Hardaway? By the end of the year, are we sure that number two is Porzingis? Assuming that is KP. Okay. Gosh, I'd have to go Tim just because that man has no conscience and it's a real, <laughs> but no, it's a benefit. Like having no conscience is a benefit because of the passes Luca gives. I mean, that was, that was why DeLon Wright got shipped off to Siberia because he didn't want to shoot the ball. So I, I it's really pronounced think it's Detroit. Tim. Oh it's, yeah, it's, you're right. It's pronounced yeah. Detroit. The, I, I think Tim is, is the answer. And I think that, there's going to be a little competition. Maybe it's just in Tim Hardaway's mind, but who can outscore the other between Josh and Tim Hardaway? Isaac, I think that's going to be a thing. Both contract year, too, mm-hmm. for, yeah. for Josh and Tim. I'll, I'll go with Josh just because I think Josh will handle the ball a little bit more. And I can see Josh scoring the ball in the paint in the mid-range a little bit more. I don't know. I could see either way. Tim's going to – I think Tim will have higher scoring games, but I think it's kind of like the floor-ceiling thing. I think Josh's floor offensive-wise will be higher than Tim's. I kind of wonder how long we're going to go with the water bugs with, with Burke and, and Brunson, which is what Josh Richardson called them. 
the other day. I wonder how long they're going to go with that or if they decide to stagger Richardson. Kirk, do you think that they consider staggering Richardson or, or somebody else to, you know, if those guys, if those two little guards don't work out as well as we think? I think they have to just, they have to make that decision sooner rather than later because, you know, like Maxie's shooting, Maxie's shooting 66% from three and yet uh, uh, Brunson and Burke shot more than 50% of that lineup shots uh, with, which is just not great in my opinion. So, so I think they have to figure out something. I'm not sure how much, you know, it's kind of nitpicking because how much of it does it matter if they're winning? I mean, I know they, they lost to the wolves, but that's because um, you, the three of us got to go play with Boban in the <laughs> final quarter and we just couldn't close it out. And, and, you know, the Mavericks had, had were crushing the wolves and so the, this is kind of nitpicking to a degree. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because these first three games against the Suns, Lakers, and Clippers are probably going to expose some of these holes in a real way. But I just I don't know what they are yet because the Mavericks just look really good, and I'm extremely bullish. So I, I don't know. Yeah, we're we're very very excited. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what they are, but we'll see early because those are all three very different teams right you have the two super guards in the backcourt with the suns you have the you know huge lakers that have davis and lebron and then you have the wings with you know the clippers there's three completely different things that they're going to be you know hopefully hopefully exposing some weaknesses so that we can figure them out before so the mavericks can figure them out before the end of the season but all right coming up let's get into some more about this team we have to talk about the center thing we haven't yet and then we'll talk about some of the mavericks big weaknesses and the clutch hopefully a little bit in this podcast. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. You know we love us some Built Bars. I had a cookies and cream one earlier today, and it's just the perfect kind of snack to just, you go to the cabinet, you pull something out, you eat it, it's delicious, it tastes like chocolate, it's 100% chocolate on the outside, and you don't feel bad about eating it afterwards. That's the big thing that sticks out with me. Right now, I'm trying to count calories, I'm trying to make sure that I don't eat too much over the holidays, and I need something to just tide me over from meal to meal, Built Bar is that exact thing. You get 18 incredible flavors. The cookies and cream that I just mentioned I had earlier, that's delicious. You can't go wrong with the mint brownie or just the regular double chocolate. I love that one too. There's all kinds of different flavors. Raspberry's a really good one as well. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. They're a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So go check it out if you haven't yet, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Kirk and Isaac, let's get into some more about the Mavericks center situation. But before we do, if you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On Podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kirk, so... One of the things that has been a big talking point, and some people have said this is not a thing, this is a thing, there's been an argument, is the fact that Dwight Powell started every preseason game, and he seems to be the starting center while KP is out, and that Maxi has just looked so much better than him during the preseason. Should we be having an argument that Maxi should be starting ahead of Dwight Powell? Is there, you know, is, is that a nothing conversation because KP's just going to come back, or is this something that we should be more upset about? Really tough because I'm 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 curious as to how much it's going to affect winning and losing, because the answer I believe is that Porzingis is going to come back, Powell's going to be relegated to a different position, and it's not going to matter. But that could be ten to twelve games, 
And so I'm just not sure bringing Maxi in, as was evidenced, I want to say it was the end of the Wolves game, uh, the set, or the first half of the Wolves game, yeah. where where Maxi really clicked with the starters, and you're like, oh, this is really interesting. But if you're replacing Maxi with Powell, then that makes that second unit, eh. and and I'm not sure what the answer is. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that really want to bring in Willie Cauley Stein. And I will say that after like 350 career games, Willie Cauley-Stein has not shown enough. And Rick Carlisle is not just going to give him the keys. He doesn't do a lot of the little stuff despite, despite being wildly athletic. He, he, you know, Powell sets screens all the time. If you just watch him, that's kind of what he's been doing right now. So I, I don't know because, you know, the Mavericks just, you, you look at like three, four years of data and there's still just a lot of net positives. But I mean, he's just, he's just a bad in three straight games like i don't know what to do about that and 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 the mavericks are gonna have to figure it out early because it's not like guarding deandre ayton and then anthony davis is really going to be a thing is that really how the mavericks want to start these two games i mean i i don't but i i can understand why they're why they don't want to move away from that right now because you know he's been a good player for such a long time but it's just i wasn't seeing any of the the explosiveness that made him that unique player at points within the offense yeah i think it matters going off what kirk said that it it all depends on how how much time porzingis misses you know if it's one or two weeks then it doesn't matter as much if it's a lot of the month of january it matters and because you know i i think it de- it definitely matters at that point and you know, we've Nick and I both on this podcast have been pretty, um, pretty vocal that Maxi. We both think Maxi should be starting uh, over Dwight. I think it is a a valid question to ask. That you know, I think Dwight at his best is running pick and roll. Okay, if you take him out of the starting unit and, and away from Luca, and you're running with Brunson and Burke, can they run the pick and roll to where they will maximize Dwight's strengths for him being on the floor? They can't run it like Luca, but can they run it enough to? So yeah, that that's my. So does it like naturally just push Dwight to the starting unit because he has to play with Luca? But yeah, I think if KP's back sooner rather than later, it's not that big of a deal. But if it's uh you know three or four more weeks for KP, then I think it's a bigger conversation. Dwight's also still coming back from an Achilles, right? I mean, or coming back from from his injury, and so I think that we'll give him time to come back and still look more like an NBA basketball player because it didn't he didn't really look like one necessarily in in the preseason. Can can we can we loop in the Rudy Gobert stuff to this conversation about Dwight? Just the just the fact of where you value how much yeah, where you value giving a max contract to a Rudy Gobert for Utah. And I, I get it for where Utah was at. They kind of backed themselves into that corner because I think you when you have a center like Rudy, when you have a center who can't shoot threes, I think you and you know he's going to be like really or, good or score not, on his own, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know he's going to be like really good, but not title winning good as a top two player on the team. I think you have a sweet spot that Utah missed to where if you know he's on that course, then you got to trade him and get value for him and all that. They missed that to where now they have to pay him because. What, it's not like you're getting big free agents to come to Utah. So I think they almost had to pay him, whether it's Supermax or not, I, whatever you want to debate on that. But I just don't think it's going to work out for him in the long term. But when you look back to like Dallas, 
you know, Dwight only makes 10 or 11 million. So at least be thankful that it's not like a supermax. <laughs> It's your, it's your conclusion from that thankful that we don't have to give Kurt, Kurt, but, no, but Kurt, I mean, you guys want to hear you guys want to hear some fire the, the <laughs> it's it's about it's a it's about you know if we're going to play fantasy gm you do not need to pay big men full stop the mavericks have committed roughly 50 how much does boban make like like four to six million something yeah, like that four range. or something like that like if, if you talk porzingis uh powell maxi uh they're paying like 57 oh, they're they're paying for like like between fifty five and sixty million dollars to to big men, and I'm of the opinion that's too much. Outside of Anthony Davis, there's not a lot of bigs in the league that I really want to have like huge contracts for. Porzingis, I'm not. I I wasn't even a fan of that at the time because I was concerned about the injuries. I don't. I you know I think he's a perfect complement in two K basketball, but the fact of the matter is he just keeps getting hurt. I mean, he needs to finish the season before I'm really in on it. And so it's, it's kind of about, you know, do you want to pay this position that much money? Because look at all the guys that are going to be on free, like free agent deals this year, like for the huge chunk of the fan base that seems to love Deandre Drummond, he's going to be available this off season. And, you know, he could be available for less than what Dwight, Dwight Powell makes. I mean, there's like, Ugh. there's those things out there. I just, I don't know. And, and you know, the, the, the Gobert kind of had the, the jazz over the bear over a barrel to, to respect because, it's either he leaves and they get nothing or they pay him. I don't know if they needed to pay him $41 million a year, which is, you know, 11 million more a year than Porzingis makes. At least Porzingis can dribble to the basket on his own, even though he loves dribbling left into traffic. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, it's one of those kind of team building things. And I am really, really glad that the Mavericks don't have to make that decision on a big guy. Like well, again, and I think the big point was was what Isaac said about, you know, if you're going to pay a, a player like that, a center like that, that can't create his own offense. If you have a center that can create his own offense, especially one that's a positive on the defensive end, at least in, in a certain area or another. Anthony Davis is kind of the outlier because he can do both. He's a huge yep. plus on the defensive end. Plus, he's also a super, you know, dynamic offensive player. Porzingis is definitely the super dynamic offensive player. He's a positive in the paint, at least guarding, you know, the rim, but outside of the paint, it's, it's tough for him to defend outside of that. But I think the Mavericks were, were good to give him that contract, to, to commit to that, to get that kind of a talent. And I don't think that this, I don't think he should be factored necessarily into the center situation with, with the Mavericks as far as how much they're paying him. The Gobert, that, th- the Gobert thing, though, is 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 nuts to me. I mean, Isaac's right that they, they backed themselves into a corner because they committed to playing this style of basketball. They didn't try to make any big moves. No one's going to trade for Gobert if he has one year left on his deal, right? I mean, no one's going to do that, but... And that, the fact that he get, the fact that he gets played more than Anthony Davis is insane to me. I know that it's just <laughs> I know that he gets paid more because he went to a smaller market. Anthony Davis took less, whatever. But it, this should work like the not this should not work like the quarterback thing where okay you're the next all star big man to come up you should get paid more than the last guy right it just it should not work like that. Yeah. Is this like is this Roy Hibbert 2.0 in a, in a few years? You know is this a I mean he, at least he's won of- Defensive Player of the Year twice <laughs> like at least he's shown Roy Hibbert was <laughs> but- like two years he was good and then after that he was just out of there. Well did did you guys see the video of he's going to be in the draft i want to say in 2022 or 2023 his name is victor oh the 16 year old kid that was what, what, or something like, like a 16 year old guy giving the nba defensive player of the year the business and then you give him 205 million dollars no thank you that's my take well did you 
hear what like, Kevin Durant said about him, right? Like, mm. there's there's guys oh, yeah. that have won the Defensive Celtics. Player of the Year that it's just so easy to score on them. Well, yeah, first of all, you're <laughs> Kevin Durant. Second of all, <laughs> but but like I meant what I what I was saying a while ago as a positive for Dwight that it's I think it's okay to have those type of guys on your team. They just need to be a part of the bullpen rotation in yeah. the center spot. Like it's okay to have the the rim, the rim runner that Dwight is. I think it's great we have a guy like that on the team. When you start paying him like that, like a supermax, or you're expecting him to be on the court at the end of a, a finals game, or you know a, a huge part of your you know team as like the a top three player on the team, or even a top four player on the team, I think that's when you get in trouble. So I think you know, is there a world that a month from now? KP is on the floor. He's starting, and we have Dwight and Maxi coming off the bench together, and it's that tandem back together. They look good together. Like that's what I'm holding out hope sure. for. That's what I'm I, I'm hold like I'm hoping that is what happens. You know, we're at the end of January, and that's what it's looking like. The Mavericks had the best offense in NBA history, and they were starting Dwight almost every game. I mean, doesn't matter. It just does. You know, and I, I get why they're not willing to cut bait with it. And yeah, it's really weird this whole Maxi Dwight thing. The second unit thing, I made my case about that last week about how if Dwight goes to the the second unit, all of a sudden that second unit lacks so much shooting and so much defense because of what Maxi brings. He'll close. Maxi will close with that unit like we saw like Kirk mentioned with the the Timberwolves game. That's just that's the way I think it's going to be until Porzingis comes back, Kirk. Yep. Short sweet. Yeah. Are, are we sure are we sure he closes though? That I mean, Maxi closes? Like how how shocked would you be if if Dwight closes? Cl- clutch game, we're playing Phoenix game one, and Dwight's on the floor guarding Aiden. I have a great take on this. Oh. Great take on this. So, I'm sure you guys have read him in the past, but you might not have seen his newsletter from the other day. Mike Mike Prada. Yes, uh, I just read that. And and he just sort of talked about how as as things get into the clutch, things go to go to crap for the Mavericks for a variety of reasons. They're not doing the off ball action, et cetera, et cetera. I think they're also doing things like that because they're trying to milk the clock because they know they can't guard anybody. At least that was last season. This year, this year they cannot afford to do that in the sense of, of if you're going to have Powell on the floor, you're essentially seeding buckets. And if there's, you know, four possessions left, Powell cannot be out there. I mean, he is a saloon door, no matter how hard he tries. He, I, I just like watching anybody back him down pains me because it, it, it's much more frustrating than like Tim Hardaway who just gets lost. Like Powell yeah. tries his butt off and is never, and it never works. <laughs> That's because he's the same size as Luca. Luca is like a thicker guy than than Dwight Powell. Like, uh, I mean, like it also like you, you see this with some big men like. Part of why he's got such unbelievable athleticism is because of like the power in his legs, but he also has hips that start right underneath his elbows. It's just so like he has no leverage. Like he'd be the world's worst like offensive lineman because he just gets knocked off kilter all the time. Yeah, true. And now he's coming back from an injury, so yes, yeah. So are we? Are we super thinking that that's going to come back and be 100 the clutch stuff? That, so that Mike Prada article was was awesome. It's uh, you can you can follow him. On Twitter, I'm sure everybody does if you're an NBA fan, but it's in his Substack. I'm going to try to have him on at some point to talk about it because the whole idea was that the Mavericks were milking the clock, like you said, and they were they were not getting into their offense as fast. When they were able to get into their offense and you know att- attempt a bucket with like 21 or 19 seconds, he said, 
left yeah. in the shot clock. Their offense was so much more efficient than what it was when they waited until 14 seconds or even you know 10 seconds left in the, the shot clock. It was pretty wild to see how they were, uh, you know, how efficient they were when they got into something fast. It's like it's like they they clench up over the course of a possession. Yes. And and they seeing that that Seth, uh, Seth and granted, I know this is it's kind of there's not a huge sample, but seeing that like Seth Curry, who was just murdering people last year, his three point percentage dropped to drop by twelve percent in the clutch is painful. Yes, I mean that not that's not all on Luca. That's I mean it's a lot of it was because Luca's percentages dropped about the same amount, but it was just kind of wild to see that all in one place and wonder, you know, considering the Mavs, I think were like th- like a game and a half back from like the fourth seed and they yeah. lost 20 games by like this uh, i don't know they're just that that's why i'm so bullish on them this year because like two things go differently and the mavs you know might have gotten to the western conference finals last year yeah they could be denver yeah. they could be portland the you know, year before last they could be that team that, that beats some of those if they just get the right matchups yeah. throughout for sure i mean we're we're feeling that I also the, feel really weird being positive. This is like, you know, like at the hives. We're rubbing off. Okay? We're rubbing off on you. Yeah. No, it's awesome. <laughs> Bring something negative. What, what's the What's the thing about the Mavericks that you're worried about the most? What's the thing that you're gonna like be pissed about the most this year, and you're gonna be tweeting about the most? Oh, we I'm gonna up. be kicking. I'm gonna be kicking Jalen Brunson in the shins repeatedly. <laughs> um, Unless he watches Ted Lasso, he ignored my suggestion online because I really want like like Jalen Brunson and and Rick Carlisle to watch Ted Lasso together and talk oh about God. it. Oh God, Rick Carlisle would hate Ted Lasso. Right, and it's like believe. Um, even I, though he, I, even though he plays piano and drives a plane or flies a plane, <laughs> I feel like those are Ted Lasso things. But I, there's just not enough for me to be for me to be grumpy about at the moment because I I I've, I've the Dwight Powell stuff is 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 could be there, but. I feel it's hard to, you know, the guy tore his, he tore his Achilles 11 months ago to the day, and he has been playing for a month. Like, that's insane to me. So even the grumpiest part of my psyche has a hard time being like, this guy sucks, because I just I really <laughs> want to give him time. Um, I, you know, maybe Josh Green running the pick and roll. If you look at his preseason stats, the guy doesn't seem to know how to play offensive basketball. But that's okay because he was three for six from distance. I don't know because maybe maybe it's Rick Carlisle not playing Josh Green. That might be it. I could see that being a thing where he just you know plants him on the bench despite despite the fact that you know I mean that guy is big. I really like seeing him on the NBA floor. I was pretty excited about about that just because he looked like he belonged versus, you know, our, our, our guy Tyrell Terry, who we can still hope for, did not. Um, and, and there's just a lot of there, – there's a lot of Get little things. Get off of him, Kirk. There's a lot of little things, but there's not going to be a Justin Jackson situation. <laughs> right? Um, there, there's not a Justin Jackson or a DeLon Wright to me at least. None of that. I, I don't see it at the moment. Also, Justin Jackson dunked in a game uh, earlier in preseason – which should have been like it should have been oh, on wow. Sports Center because it was like his tenth dunk of his career. On um, on whose bucket? He he talked about how in Oklahoma City he can bring spacing, and it's like, bro, you shot twenty nine percent on catch and shoot threes. Like, <laughs> if you're talking about taking up space, maybe that's what's happening. But ugh, did he gosh. miss any layups? I hope so. It's so <laughs> magical. for Ryland Styles. I hope that he did it. I just uh, Ryland uh, Styles, the host of Locked On Thunder, is also a huge Mavs fan, and so he watches all the Mavs games. So he watched oh, he watched the whole Justin Jackson thing, and now he has to deal with it. see too. And hope he has enough liquor. <laughs> any parting shots, Isaac? Any any other things you want to try to get Kirk riled up about? I was going to say like if Dallas did a two for one trade and then brought JJ back. 
Yeah, and JJ then, hasn't found a team yet. I mean, are we, we're still waiting for that. We think he's taking some time off. Or, I mean, I think that that it, all all of our griping about how every roster spot matters. The Mavericks are a smart team. They know this. There's a reason that that like Nate Hinton is gonna see sporadic playing time this year just because guys are going to get hurt guys are going to need nights off you need every single roster spot and Berea is offensively just fine but defensively unplayable and has been for years and they're just there's no reason to keep trotting this thing out if if you if you need to win games and and so i i don't think that I don't know. Maybe there's some universe. I I feel so bad about that because he does. He matters. He matters to me historically. Like watching some of the clips when he retired was like, oh yeah, this guy was really fun. Maybe I shouldn't have been such a jerk for three years. <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't know. But the ghost of JJ is like Kirk. You hated on me for so long now. Towards the yeah, end of we my should career. do like a we should do like a Mavericks like Kirk Christmas Carol like where he gets <laughs> Kirk if you got oh yeah yeah if you got visited by Mavericks ghost would it, it would be Wes Matthews it would be JJ Barea and who who would be the last one who would be right about Wes Matthews Barea I was probably too mean about but like <laughs> Wes that man thinks that he like I still remember that game last season or two seasons ago or was it last season when he fouled LeBron for no reason with oh. like ten seconds left and it's like what are you doing i just i'm haunted by like very specific plays but i don't know i i i'm really really looking forward to this season i was kind of terrified just because when you think about 72 games in 146 days it means like oh my gosh we're gonna have to talk mavericks every day but then they start <laughs> playing and it's like oh my gosh we're gonna have to talk mavericks every day and yes. like that's really you know it goes from being like like kind of haunting to very to very fun it's gonna be great so you know as as the world hopefully comes back to a better place maybe we will you know we'll have this to to get us there in the short term oh i hope so i hope so and the, and the expectations are different this year i think it it, it raises our uh, excitement about the team but there's more i was just listening to the ringer nba show and it was chris ryan and our friend Gallagher and those guys talking about, you know, how the Mavericks, he was talking about how the Mavericks the past few years have been in the sweet spot of like, Hey, no big expectations. Let's just have fun. We have Luca and all this. Now there's expectations there. So I think we can see our, I think there is. Who expects them to go to the conference finals, right? Not conference finals, but I think we, but I think, yeah, but like, I think it's we like the Clippers, a, right? With a second they have, round. They have final, they have finals expectations. They don't make the finals. If, it's a failed year. If the Mavericks got swept in the first round, would we be pissed? Well, yeah, but there's a difference between what we would be pissed by <laughs> than, than what people actually that, expect the Mavericks to do. But I think the fan base, I think there are expectations. Luca, the MVP favorite. We've seen ESPN. Some of these people project Mavericks as a home court playoff team, a top four seed. So, I think that's natural expectations higher than the past few years. So I think it will. I think sometimes over the past few years, maybe when I've looked past a few things, I'm like, all right, well, you know, we're just playing with you know house money at this point. But now that the expectations are higher, I might be a little bit more critical and mass Twitter should be a lot of fun. It should be. We should have a lot of fun. Kirk, everybody can follow him. I'm sure you are, guys already do at Kirk serious face. And uh, I'm sure you, you already read maps money ball, but go and follow Mavs Moneyball and read all their stuff there. Kirk, thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, guys. And uh, there you go. We'll be back with more stuff previewing the season and the Mavericks play a game the 22nd or the 23rd, right? 
two days, three days, whatever day it is. A couple days. Know. So we'll have a post game after that late Suns game. That's uh, that's gonna happen in in Phoenix. So we'll have a post game after that. Uh, Mavs money well post game after that too. Post podcast probably. I'm right? supposed to. <laughs> if if you're we'll awake, see, we'll see if I remember. So yeah. There you go, guys. Thanks so much for listening. To Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. We won't let you down, Taylor. Because not only are we gonna find 20 eggs within the hour, but we're going on to find 25. And then 30, and then 35, and then 40, and then 45, and then 50, until we find all 59 and take back the square! Yeah! Hurt your throat? Very badly.